You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Come on, come on, come on. Bless the Lord. All hail King Jesus. Come on, if you love him, make some noise for him in this place. All hail King Jesus. Listen, listen. Don't just stare at me. All hail King Jesus. All hail the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, our God, our Lord, our Savior. All hail, all hail King Jesus. Anybody love him today? Make some noise for Jesus in this place. All hail. Ooh. Ooh, Lord. We can keep that song going, but I, but I, I promised uh, Pastor Craig and Hal that I'm not going to sing every time I speak. God is good. God is good. Yeah? Listen, I, I have a word for you that is that's for Grace Family Church and anybody who's watching. I want to tell you this. God is telling us, don't quit. Don't quit. This is not the season for giving up. Don't quit. Say it with me. Don't quit. Say it like you mean it. Don't quit. I don't know what it is you're going through, but don't quit. James 1, we're going to be reading from James 1. We're going to walk through this. James 1, 2 through 4. James says this, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Say, don't quit. Gracious Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we bless you for who you are and what you continue to do in our lives and in this place. We completely surrender our hearts, our minds, and our ears to you so that we can receive what you have for us today in the mighty name of Jesus. And the church says, amen. Before you sit down, no matter what campus you're on, before you sit down, look at your name and say, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. I want you to pay close attention because we're going to be toggling between James and Hebrew. Don't quit. I know you might be going through some stuff, but don't quit. I believe God is calling us right now to stand firm because now is not the time for giving up. God is doing something in you and he's birthing something in you and you can't give up in the middle. I'm preaching to you as much as I'm preaching to myself right now, that you are right where you're supposed to be so that God can do his great work in you. And God has a great work in you. Don't quit because you are right on the edge of your blessing, your healing, your breakthrough is right around the corner. You have been strategically and systematically placed where you are so that God can mold you and you can become the men and women of purpose that God has called you to be. But if you're going to pursue God's promise for your life, you need more than just willpower. You need more than just the ability to pull yourself up from your bootstrap. You need grit. Say grit. You you need spiritual grit. That's the series we're going to be in for the next few weeks. You need some grit. 
And I've defined spiritual grit as this. It is the empowerment and willingness to move forward in the face of opposition because of the promise of something greater. Grit says, I refuse to let go and I refuse to give in. It's resilience. Grit is staying power. It's stick-to-itiveness. It's when going gets tough, the spiritual grit gets going. It's unquitability. I know I made that word up. It's unquitability. In the kingdom, it's spiritual tenacity. It's determination. It's resolve. It's saying, I'm going to stay right here until God tells me to move. You need spiritual grit. You need spiritual grit to stay married. Should have been more amens right there. You need spiritual grit to be a parent. You need spiritual grit to be single and satisfied. You need some grit to be the men and women of purpose that God has called you to be. The Bible defines grit as perseverance and endurance, to be steadfast. Let's be honest. All of us at one time or another has wanted to quit. Oh, raise your hand if that's you. Tell the truth, shame the devil. If you're honest, if I went to your house right now, how many unfinished projects are there? How many rooms that you started to paint but you didn't finish? How many things you started to build but you didn't finish? How many books that you started reading but you didn't finish? How many diet plans look real good in January and you're done by January 13th? that you did not, how many relationships have been broken and you should have said, ask for forgiveness? Or you, or you should have forgiven them and you never did. Don't quit in the middle. I've been in this place. Like I said, I'm talking to you as I'm talking to myself. I know what it's like to want to quit. I, I've asked myself the question, why am I even doing what I'm doing? The more I try, the harder it gets. The more I speak, the more people get offended. If you have ever wanted to quit, you are actually in good company. Moses, a great leader in the Old Testament, after he leads the children out of Israel, they cross the Red Sea, they actually start complaining. And in Numbers 11, Moses is talking to God and he says, God, he, he can't handle their complaining. He says, God, if you're going to treat me like this, I'd rather die. Elijah in 1 Kings 19 chapter, he had just defeated, Elijah by himself had just defeated 450 prophets of Baal. And then in the next chapter, Elijah is ready to die because he founds out that a woman is chasing him. And he says, God, I, I'd rather die. I'm no better than my ancestors. If you've ever wanted to quit, I get it. I understand that when the pressure builds, we get overwhelmed. And, and when you're going through things, sometimes there seems like some good reasons to quit. Wonder if this resonates with you. If you've ever said, I want to quit when the reward of staying doesn't match the effort to stay. I, I want to quit when the outcome seems like it's already been settled. I want to quit when I feel outmatched. I want to quit when I feel tired, or overwhelmed, or if I feel stuck. Raise your hand if you've been there before and you said those things. 
Here's what I've learned. I've learned that the more spiritual gritty we become, the less spiritual quitting we will do. So you can't quit. Don't quit. And, and I want to say this. Don't use the title of this message to manipulate your situation. Oh, you know who you are. You eat a lot of cake. And you was like, I was going to stop eating cake, but Pastor Darrell said, don't quit. I was, I was going to stop smoking, but he said, don't quit. No, that's not, that's not what this is. I don't want you to quit what God has told you to do. And, and I believe in James and also in Hebrews, they, they address how we are supposed to respond when we face opposition. How should we live when we find ourselves in the middle of trials and, and we find ourselves being overwhelmed? So in James 1, in the second chapter, he says, consider it pure joy. Consider it joy. When you're going through trials and tribulations, consider it joy. It says, whenever you're going through this stuff, I want you to look at it as joy. And joy is not an intense feeling of happiness. Joy is a deep revelation and assurance of who God is and the confidence of the promise that he has ahead. And this might seem counterintuitive because trials are typically associated with suffering and difficulty. But James is emphasizing the idea that we, the believers, should have a deep and abiding joy that transcends our circumstances. The joy is not based on fleeting emotions, but on a profound trust in God's sovereignty and goodness. See, joy isn't circumstances. Joy is built on perspective. Say perspective. If you're going to walk with spiritual grit and not quit, you need the right perspective. Hebrews 12 says this. It starts as, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So this is where we start. Let throw off everything. So there's some everything and there's some sin. That means there's some stuff that you have to throw away that's not sin. I, I need you to throw off everything and the sin which does what? Which so easily entangles you. There's some stuff that easily wraps you up. There's some stuff that if it whispered your name, you'd be like, huh? You talking to me? If you smelled it, it would draw you right back in the life that God hasn't called you into. So he says, I need you to let go of the everything. Okay, let me make it real for some of you all that you are, I don't know what the everything is. You can't watch Netflix for seven hours. That's everything. It's not a sin, but it's an everything. You can't be flicking people off while you drive on down the street just because they cut you off. That's in everything. Oh, there wasn't enough amens on that one. <laughs> Hello, family. That's in everything, too. He says, I need you to get rid of the everything and the sin, which so easily tangles you up. And he says, and let us run with perseverance. Let us run with spiritual grit, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus. This is perspective. We got to fix our eyes on Jesus. When, when Peter jumps out of the boat to walk on water because Jesus told him to come walk on water, Peter doesn't begin to sink until he takes his eyes off of Jesus. This is perspective because when we lose perspective, we actually lose hope and we lose joy. 
And perspective is not about lying to yourself about what's happening. Perspective is saying, I can honestly assess where I am and I can confidently profess who God is in the middle of it. But pastor, what do I do when I don't see Jesus? Good question. When you don't see Jesus, remember what he said. Listen to Jesus. What did he tell you before you started? What has he written in his word? This is perspective. If we're going to keep joy, we have to keep the right perspective because here's the reality. If we're not careful, we'll change our theology to match our reality. So I've got to remember what he said. About three years ago, my family and I, we went on a, a white water rafting trip. Yeah. So we go white water rafting and the, and the whole family goes and, and I remember standing on the shore and we've got our guide who's telling us where, what is going, what's going to happen. And we were in the American River and the level was four or five, which is the highest level of rafting. And I was like, why are we even doing this? Because I don't like water like that. But he's given us all the instructions on, on what it's going to look like and, and, and what we have to do. So we're standing on the shore and, and we've got all the gear on and he's telling us how to put it on and how to hold it. And then he gives us instructions. He says, and I can't tell you all that he said, but he says, when I say this word, that means left. When I say this word, that means right side. When I say this word, that means don't paddle it at all. Let me handle it. He even tells us at one point, he says, if you fall out of the boat, don't, try, don't struggle or try to swim back to the boat. Just relax <laughs> and let the water take you and it'll shoot you out 50 to 100 yards down the river. And I thought, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> if I fall out this boat, I'm trying to swim back to the boat. But he, they're going to show you a, a few pictures here. So this is my whole family, and, and we're in this boat, and we're going down the, the river, and there's some points where we are completely submerged underwater. Now, if it, it, there's moments that this feels exciting, like, hoo-hoo, this is great. But then there's moments like, why am I doing this? I'm about to die in the river. But in those moments where I was scared, in those moments where the waves were bigger than us, and in those moments where we completely submerged underwater, yeah, that's funny. In those moments that I was completely submerged underwater, I couldn't see in front of me, nor could I see my guide, but I could hear him. I wasn't afraid because I remember what he said. I wasn't afraid because he was actually guiding me the whole way. It didn't matter how rocky it got. It doesn't matter how deep we were in the water. He was in the back saying, hey, left side, right side, do nothing. So I did nothing and I let him work. I, I was at peace and I was at joy because of who was leading me because guess what? He did it before. He'd been there. He knew all the things to do. And this is the same way we can have joy in God because guess what? He knows all the things to do. He, he doesn't just ride on the waves or walk on the water. He made the water. He speaks to the wind and it silences. 
This is why we can have peace and joy in a God that we serve. And in James' second verse, he also says this. He says, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, whenever, whenever, that word whenever means they just show up when they want to. I can't even schedule them. I can't put them on my calendar. They just, they just show up. And then it's many trials. I mean, it's not one kind of trial. It's different levels of trial. God, I just went through a trial yesterday. Well, here's another one. They sh trials show up at your house like Amazon Prime. <laughs> they just keep coming. I was talking to uh, Bill Morris. I call him the resident Grace Family Church Yoda. I don't know if everybody knows him, but I, I was sharing some of the challenges that me and my family have had over the, the, uh, this past year. And, and Bill says, well, God is promoting you. And I said, uh, I don't want this promotion. I didn't even know there was a job opening. Because I didn't apply. Can I quit? He says, God is elevating you. He's moving you to another level. Jesus says this in John 16 and 33. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Not you might, not there could be. Oh, you will have some trouble. Oh, just look at the person next to you and say, yeah, you will. You will. You will have. Some of y'all are looking at the trouble that you will have. You will have Trouble, but then Jesus says this, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Trouble is an equal opportunity employer. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from, there's going to be some trouble. Paul in 2 Corinthians says it like this. 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, he says it like this. Listen to this. He says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rod. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the night and the day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toil and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face the daily pressures of church people. That's what he says, because church people are trouble too. Paul says, I, I'm dealing with this stuff all the time, every day. I've been through a lot, but this is also the same Paul that says, for God I live and for God I die. This is the same Paul that said, yeah, I'm going through this stuff, but I'm still pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. So don't be surprised when you go through stuff. As long as you are alive, life is going to keep introducing you to problems. And James reminds us that these things aren't happening in your life just to annoy you. They're happening to grow you. In verse 3, he says this, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith produces spiritual grit. It produces staying power. It produces resiliency. 
See, your faith can only be made stronger by two things, by education or experience. See, experience is, it increases your faith because I've been through this. I, I, I know the Lord can deliver because he delivered me. I've walked through this situation. Education is, this is what I've read. This is what I heard. This is what I learned. And I know God is faithful and able to do these things. And the trials in your life serve as a testing ground for your faith. See, God sometimes has to take you through something to get you to where he needs you to be. Struggles are often a pathway to promise. David fights a lion and a bear to be prepared for Goliath. Moses has to go through the Red Sea to prepare the people for Canaan. Problems are not your enemy. Problems are beneficial. Hard times are actually our advantage. Trials build character in a way that grows us closer to God that good times don't. Let's be honest. We find ourselves clinging closer to God, more, uh, to God more in the difficult times than we do in the good times. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 1 and 9. He says, we expect it to die. But as a result, we stop relying on ourselves and learn to rely on God, who, by the way, raises the dead. We stop relying on ourselves and we start relying on God. What you're going through is not simply so you learn how to endure difficulties. It is shaping you so that you can walk with unwavering faith. We go through trials and tribulations, but sometimes what we call trial and tribulation is actually discipline. It's discipline. Hebrews 6 he says this, Hebrews 5, 12 and 5. He says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. He disciplines those that he loves. And then he says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. Verse 8 says, if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. You are not true sons and daughters at all. Hebrews 12 and 11, he says this, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. What you're going through isn't punishment, it's training. God is training you to live your best holy life for him. Every athlete knows this. If you're going to get stronger, move quicker, run faster, jump higher, you have to go through a series of things that don't feel good. You've got to go through some resistance. We've coined this phrase that's been around for years. It's on billboards and on t-shirts. We've seen it on commercials. You say it. No pain, no gain. It means God is shaping your spiritual character. He's shaping your spiritual grit. James 1 and 4, he says this, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In other words, don't give up in the middle. Let the trial do its work in you because completeness and maturity are the goals of our faith journey. Romans 5 and 3 says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. So how do I do this, Pastor Darrell? I'm so glad you asked. 
How do I have joy in the midst of what I'm going through? Number one, you got to embrace the trials. It means don't run from it, run to it. Embrace what God is taking you through. This is happening for you, not to you. It's happening so that your light can shine brighter and God can get the glory. Each trial is a stepping stone to spiritual growth. Number two, say two, shift your perspective. You've got to change your perspective on trials. Instead of seeing them as something to dread, see them as divine setups for God's miracle. Number three is you have to persevere with purpose. Perseverance isn't just about toughing it out. It's about actively trusting God in the midst of trial. You've got to hold on to your faith like it's your lifeline because it is. When Jesus is about to go be crucified, he's talking to Peter and he says, Peter, I prayed for you. I prayed for you because the devil desires to sift you as wheat. And what I prayed for is that your faith doesn't fail. Of all the things that God could have prayed for, that Jesus could have prayed for for Peter, he could have said, Peter, I pray that you don't cuss so much. I, I, Peter, I pray that you're better with the sword. Peter, I pray that you deliver people. No, he says, Peter, I, I pray that your faith doesn't fail. I pray you don't quit. I, I pray you don't give up when it gets hard because you will be attacked. There will be things that come against you. There will be opposition, but I pray you don't quit. Don't quit. This is not the season for quitting. I pray that you trust God, that he will bring you to spiritual maturity and completeness through your trials. Don't quit in the middle. God is doing something incredible in you. Say it with me. Don't quit. I'll say the thing like you mean it. Don't quit. Say it to the person next to you. Don't quit. Don't quit because we need you. Don't quit because there's promise on the other side of this. When we were doing the white water rafting, do you know there was joy on the other side that I was waiting for that the, that the guide told me about? When we got done doing the white water rafting, not only was there rest, there was also food. We rested and we ate. And on the other side of our trial and our tribulation, God has a reward for us. And even if you don't see it on this side, you'll see it on the other side. You'll see it in heaven. He's got something special for you, but you can't quit in the middle. About 22 years ago, almost to the day, my wife was stricken with an illness that would change our lives forever. We just had our third child. Just had a, a, our third child, and we have this baby girl, and, and my wife can barely take care of her. And we go to the doctor, and she's diagnosed with this illness, this disease that she's gonna have for the rest of her life. And the doctor says, you're gonna have to take medication for the rest of your life. This, this is your new life. Not only will you have to take this medication for the rest of your life, you actually won't be able to have any more children either. 
So we left the doctor's office broken and hurt, depressed, not knowing what to do, but we prayed. We prayed, we fasted. The doctor gave uh, my wife a prescription and, and we went and even filled the prescription. We went home and put that prescription on the dresser. We prayed and we fasted. We asked God to do a miracle and, and, and days would go by and weeks would go by and my wife didn't take the medication. And I believe that God can work through medication. I believe God can work through hands of doctors. And I was praying that God would deliver my wife and I was also praying that she would just take the medication. But my wife said, I, I believe God told me don't take it. Now, God didn't tell me what he told her. My only job was to keep praying and keep fasting. And so we prayed and we fasted and my wife got worse. And there were times that my wife, just to walk from the bedroom to the kitchen, she'd be exhausted. She'd be sweating, exhausted. She was wasting away and she was getting thinner and thinner. And as a husband, it's, that's hard to watch because you can't do anything. And there were times, I didn't even tell my wife this, there were times that I wanted to quit. There were times that in, in my mind while we're praying and I'm praying with him, I'm holding a hand, we're praying in the morning, praying, and praying all day. I, I'm, I'm really praying two prayers. I'm praying, God, heal my wife. And, and Lord, tell her to take this medicine because I don't know what else to do. I'm just watching her be weak. And this thing is taking her over. Days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months. And we're five, six months into this thing. She's not getting better. There's no change. And then one day she just, she says, I feel a little better today. And if you've ever been around someone that has any kind of sickness, you take anything as a victory. You're like, listen, I, I take it. That's, that works for me. Then the next day, she's like, I feel, I feel a little bit better today. Eventually, we had a doctor's appointment. We go to the doctor's appointment, and, and we're in there for a while, and the doctor draws the blood, and the doctor said, hey, or have you been taking the medication? My wife goes, no. The doctor's surprised because everybody that has this disease takes the medication. My wife is not taking the medication, so the doctor goes away and does her little report and stuff. She takes her a while. She runs the blood several times. The doctor eventually comes back and she says, I've never seen this before in my 20-plus years practicing. But you're healed. You're healed. Not, not only are you healed, there's not even a trace in your blood that it ever even existed. And she says, I've never seen this. And then my wife gets real loud in the doctor's office. Thank you, Jesus. She's loud. Just. And then the doctor says, but I do have more news. You're also pregnant. Yeah. 
So the thing, the very thing that the doctor said would never happen, happened. So God gave my wife back her life and then added another life to it. Listen, you can't tell me that we don't serve a God that won't do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. My wife is my spiritual grit hero. Because in the times that I wanted to give up, she wouldn't. There were times that I watched her pray and I'm like, wow. I don't even know if I have all that in me, but watching you pray gives me more encouragement. It gives me more power. I, I just, I, I just want to tell somebody, don't quit today. Don't quit in the middle because you'll never get to see. One of the problems of quitting is that you'll never know what you missed. So you can't quit. It took some endurance. It took some spiritual grit. It took unwavering faith for us to not give up. There were days where I wanted to quit. But thanks to my wife, we were unquittable. We were unquittable. This changed our lives forever. Changed our lives because we got to experience God in a way that we would not have been able to experience him before. This is why I stand up here with so much fervor and excitement because I know what God can do. I'm not telling nobody to go home and, and pour all their medicines down the drain or the toilet. What I'm saying is, listen to God. What did God tell you to do and don't quit on what God has given you to do. You may be going through a difficult phase, and I know what it's like to be going through some things that just take the wind out of your sails. I, I know what it's like to want to take your ball and go home. But today's struggle will become tomorrow's testimony. Galatians 6 and 9 says it like this. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, ooh, say proper time, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. God's word reminds us to not grow weary because there's a promise for those who persist. So I want to encourage you to tap into your spiritual grit, to persevere, to press on, to keep moving ahead, to find strength in God's promises. When you're struggling, don't forget these four steps that we went through, but also don't forget to pray. Oh, don't forget to pray. Charles Stanley says it like this, the shortest distance, shortest distance between a problem and a solution is your knees and the floor. Don't forget to pray. Pray for the strength to embrace grit, to the courage to face adversity, and the faith to trust in God's unwavering power. We're going to pray together. I'm going to call the campus pastors up here in a moment. We're going to pray that God continues to grow us, but we also continue to allow him to do it. So bow your heads with me. God, we don't know everything. We can't see everything. 
but we know that you are doing something in us and through us. God, we refuse to quit. We make that declaration right now that we refuse to quit. We refuse to quit because we want your promises to, we want you, you promise to complete your work in us. You promise that all things will work out for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. You, you promise that you will be with us. You promise that breakthrough is coming. We believe that miracle is on the way. And we thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. amen. With a loud voice. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.